know somewhat knowledgeable about the stuff they're yeah. voting on or making decisions on but you know that's just how yeah. how the cookie crumbles well yeah. that's just how it's been set up you yeah. know i mean yeah. it's a whole bunch of people to kind of look at and say well why is this this way you know but right. you know we that's i guess the beauty of our country is everybody can kind of but that right. also can tie into this is that they ask these questions and no one can answer it mm-hmm. for them right so and that's what we're here to you do. Know, that's what I'm we all, want to do. Yeah. I'm all for people from non-agricultural backgrounds having a, a place in agriculture as mm-hmm. long as they're at least willing to learn about it or looking for the information about it. You know, just like, like with anything, you don't want people talking about something they don't know about. Right. right. Like if people are like willingly like against, like they're like, you know what, like I'm completely against agriculture. I'm going to vote on every way to stop it. And like, you know, somebody like, you know, like my podcast or other ag podcasters out there go to them and say, hey, well, you know, how about we have a conversation about this and maybe, you know, we can both learn something from it. And mm-hmm. they say, no, agriculture needs to die. Well, at that point, like, yeah, they, that person does not need to be making decisions in nope. that category because yeah. they're not willing to learn about it. Mm-hmm. The problem is those people still can, though. Right. You know? yeah. And that's that's the dangerous part about yeah. it. Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brian Black, and in today's episode, we're having another pretty general ag conversation with my roommates, of all people. Uh, I'll allow them to introduce myself to introduce themselves, but first, first off, we have Aaron and Colton here. So guys, let the kind audience know who you are. You want me to go? My name is Colton Gist. Uh, I am majoring in plant science and minoring in enology, and I really like wine. I'm working at the Fresno State Winery right now. Okay, and my name is Aaron Opadike. I'm 22 years old. I'm actually majoring in uh, business administration with an emphasis in management, and I'm also um, I have also completed my minor in Spanish as well. Um, I I do come from a extensive ag background. I lived on a dairy for 10 years, and I worked there for two. And uh, I really love cars and computers. Very nice. So as Aaron just mentioned, there uh, all three of us are from Tulare. You know, we grew up around animals and, and livestock and I keep saying livestock, but I mean, Colton, you didn't exactly grow up around livestock. No, I didn't. Um, you know, agriculture in general, you know, whether it be livestock or crops or anything in that category. So we all have a tangential understanding of agriculture, but it's the, the specifics that kind of vary. You know, obviously Colton's more on the plant science side of things. I'm more on the animal science side of things. And Aaron's just curious. Yeah, I, kinda got, <laughs> I got a little bit of both. I mean, more, honestly, yeah. more cows than anything. Uh, you know, my dad was a herdsman, so I was always, you know, around cows and things like that. But, you know, obviously I got to see, you know, the rotation of crops um, and literally in my backyard, um, we had, you know, alfalfa, corn and all kinds of that stuff. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So interesting, uh, interesting experiences from all three of us. But that kind of starts us off on, I think, a a good starting point, which is Tulare agriculture. You know, we are all very passionate about our hometown that we affectionately call Cowtown because the massive amount of dairies that surround the Mm -hmm. place and now Mm -hmm. it's dairies and trees is pretty much all you'll see. Um, but there is an issue we've been seeing in Tulare over the past few years, and it's been happening longer than that, but this is, you know, as long as we've been aware of it, that we really want to highlight today, that being the amount of agricultural land that's being converted into urban land. Which worries me very much so. <laughs> and this topic got started because I asked Brennan, I'm like, is there a way that we can turn that land that was just dirt, that, or that it's just dirt, or land that has, you know, old buildings that aren't used, or, you know, buildings that may not be used in the future, can we turn that back into land? Because I don't like coming home and seeing, you know, a whole other neighborhood built, which, yeah, it's good, because people can live there, but it's like, you know, one day it may, you know, we may need to turn that back into farmland, and how will we do that? You know, it's sad to see my hometown come, go from just being a lot of field and agriculture to just, you know, being urbanized. So, I don't, you know, I always wanted to know more about that. Yeah. So I'll kind of have Colton help me with this because you're more versed in soil science and mm-hmm. you know that and that sort of thing. And so agricultural land being unable to be used is mostly a soil <clears throat> science issue because we see you know yes. one soil, the, at least the topsoil of you know particular land is is um, kind of you know destroyed by mm-hmm. by foundation of buildings makes it a little hard to to plant anything there. You know? Yeah, it does. So. Uh, the the almost the most uh, fascinating thing that I learned in soils is soil is alive it really is there's mm-hmm. more there's more things living in the soil in one hand just one scoop of the hand mm-hmm. than you could even think of there's so much bacteria and worms and you probably won't get a rodent in that handful but uh, those rodents even make a huge difference in the soil they open up 
air pockets in the soil that allow oxygen in and obviously plants need oxygen and carbon dioxide nitrogen they need every everything that they could get but it opens up those air passages for water to get get in there too hmm. and when those air pockets aren't available it can't retain water hmm. um and the plant eventually dies Right. And, you know, and, and to your point, I think that's a big part of ag that a lot of people tend to forget about is that, you know, really doesn't matter what kind of ag you're talking about. It all depends on that soil. You know, that mm-hmm. soil is foundational to mm-hmm. everything, you know, functioning and working properly. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, like you said, that soil is alive and mm-hmm. it's not just alive, but it's home to a lot of other living things Absolutely. that kind of need to all work together for us to have the food that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a topic that we talked about briefly in other episodes, but we really want to dive a bit more into this because it's a topic that hits very close to home for us. I mean, mm-hmm. how many new buildings or restaurants have we seen in Tulare in the past like two years? Oh, I've oh, seen geez. it change drastically in the last, you know, three to four. Yeah. And they're putting in a new overpass and they took out the almond trees that were right next door. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I didn't even yeah, know that. It was on, that. well, J Street. Oh, right. That, yeah. That one that's mm-hmm. illegal. It went on the, the fast. Oh, yeah. Right. They, yeah. Well, they bought the land next to it. And they took oh, is out that how they're gonna fix yeah. it. No. They took out That's all the trees. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see. You know, it's like one of those things. It's like I see why they're doing these things. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're just saying let's kill ag. But the problem is, you know, even though it's not intentional, you know, it's still doing the same thing as if it yeah. were. And so, right. you know, I think the main thing I want to know is how are we going to turn that soil back into viable soil for us to use? Because mm-hmm. um, I believe I've talked to Brennan before, and he has told me that that soil cannot be used anymore once mm-hmm. it's built over. So, right. how do we turn but it? Back I'm into- just confused on. Because you know where that old winery was? Right next to Target. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing going on there. Right. They always say, oh, we're going to put houses there. I mean, since we went to elementary school. Right. Which place again? The Right next to the old winery. Oh, yeah. Sundale. Um, where they, I, think there, I think there's a Dutch Bros there now. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. They added a little Dutch Bros there. They actually yeah. just tore out the winery. It's gone. Yeah, I know. I know. Mm-hmm. So why not you make the houses there instead of on Prosperity? You know where? Right. Uh, um, oh God, yeah, prosperity, right? That's yeah, where the new neighborhoods going? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That are you talking about? On Cartmill yeah. or Cartmill? Cartmill. Not prosperity. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's right there. They just got rid yeah. of all of that. All of that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, okay, you couldn't have just used soil that was not going to be used for agriculture. Right. And built on top of it, that would have been completely fine. No, you had to tear yeah. out trees that were feeding people. Right. And to put more people in this town. Yeah, which goes to to answer Aaron's question. I think that there's kind of a two part, you know, answered here. Uh, the first part is kind of talking about, you know, agricultural land and and urban land development and kind of how that, you know, how that works because, you know, kind of to, to Colton's point, there's a fair way to use land for urban development. Mm-hmm. Like obviously we had a, we have a bunch of empty lots in Tulare that yeah. are surrounded by buildings. You're not gonna be able to farm those anyways. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't spray them. That that soil is probably not super suitable for mm-hmm. growing stuff. It's not you know, you're not just gonna have a you know, half acre, you know, little crop garden in the mm-hmm. middle of town. Mm-hmm. So, but we're, again, like you said, we're not using that land. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are to some degree, like where Canes and in and out is, that's where, you know, oh, yeah. that kind of stuff is, is understandable. Why they built the two most popular restaurants of all time right next to each other in the same month will never make sense to me, but mm-hmm. that's beside the point. Well, I mean, Fresno also did that. Yeah, in and out and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, obviously, that land was kind of not viable for, you know, you wouldn't see a cornfield right there. Right. That's yeah. fine. I mean, personally, I prefer to just, I would just rather see it green. But, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. or put something that's nature-wise, but I get sure. it. I, I, that's fine. I wasn't mad at that. No. I was mainly sad about the Cartmill neighborhood, which, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad people can live there, but... It's, you know, it was a field that's gone. Right. Know? Yeah. So I, I would even go as far to say that it's not necessarily that like we're against urban development mm. by any means. No, it's, no. it's a matter of converting usable and very valuable agricultural mm. land into urban development. When we have other spaces that we could be doing exactly. that with. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, to Aaron's point, I think that there's some lots, you know, in Tulare or just in urban areas in general that are not being used that like, you know, like you said, they're, they're saying they're going to build something there forever and they never mm-hmm. do. Why aren't we using that for like a community garden or something like that? Or some mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, active space right. just to keep the soil working? Because, you know, mm-hmm. to answer your question about soil regeneration and being able to use that soil again, it takes, and correct me if I'm wrong, soil science boy, but if, <laughs> it, it takes anywhere from like 300 to 500 years for yeah, just like an inch of topsoil. Yeah, last time. Yeah. Lifetime. Right. And probably the lifetime of Tulare, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, like our, our country is only, what, 378 years old or yeah almost 300 years old you know just by itself so i mean Mm -hmm. like it you know the the soil that they built the earliest settlements on probably is not even ripe enough to to use again yet Mm -hmm. so it's like you know what are the chances that we're ever going to be able to see that soil used again yeah um but you know it's 
the the best way to revive soil just from what we've seen so far and practices and technology are evolving all the time um Mm -hmm. but just you know working it and like trying to get some of that that biological life to come back you know getting Mm -hmm. some of those 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 ecosystems kind of rebuilt you know Mm -hmm. even if even if it has to do with transplanting soil in or some kind of like you Mm -hmm. know uh, almost like a blood transfusion, but yeah. with with soil and, and microbiomes. Right. You know, I could give you a great example on that. Okay. When uh, Mount St. Helen blew, mm-hmm. they the the scientists knew it was going to go. Yeah. Right. And they were they started coming up with these theories, and scientists had a heyday mm. trying to. They were so almost so excited to watch it blow because <laughs> they wanted to see what the ecosystem would do, mm. and they were like, "Oh, it's going to take." thousand years you know the the dust is going to cover the soil or the Mm -hmm. ash it's going to cover the soil and it's not going to uh um when if a plant sprouts it's going to be covered in the ash and it can't get the the correct sunlight well they were wrong wow it actually took i mean i i don't know the exact number but it was less than a hundred years i i I didn't think think i'd be talking about this right now right (laughs) i didn't do any research on it but they I can tell you for a fact it happened faster than what they expected it to happen. Well, I know Mount St. Helens blew what in like the 80s or late 70s, Same early 80s? 80s. I thought it was like 80 something. I mean, and I'm pretty yeah, sure from what I've seen modern pictures, it doesn't look like it, the desolate wasteland they thought. No, right? 1980. Yeah, 90, I mean, 1980. Yeah. So, I mean, what? Mm-hmm. It's been, that was, you know, 42 years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, you know, you still see trees now, you know? Yeah, it grew yeah, back. yeah. It, was, it was like, way quicker than anything they've ever seen before mm-hmm. it was like uh five years later they saw a deer back on that land it was like how why are you back there's no trees no plant life nothing but the fertilization from the feces and created air pockets in the ash and that in- encouraged plant life and it just revolutionized what we thought soil was right yeah well, so it could possibly the same thing happen even in Tulare, right? And I was getting, I was getting to that. I mean, it's, right. it's. I can't say a vi- vo- volcano exploding is the same as you know putting a or building on it sure. and, and tearing it down, but um, that just goes to show you that we don't know everything about soil. Oh yeah, soil is a mystery. Yeah. So there can right. be something, but we're just not doing enough research on it. Well, because usually when you build something, it's meant to stay. Mm-hmm. So according to a couple articles here. It seems like the first 20 years after the eruption, like the environment almost snapped back immediately. Exactly. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But after those 20 years, it started to kind of plateau a little bit. And, you know, we're almost, you know, like four, like I said, 42 years later, we're still kind of seeing recovery, but at a mm-hmm. slower pace. So, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, like the environment has this remarkable flexibility with being able to just snap back into place. <clears throat> now, obviously, not everything is going to be like that. You know, we've, we've seen like Chernobyl when that sort of thing happened. Oh, and it yeah. takes way longer than, mm-hmm. than we have time for for that sort of stuff to recover. But... You know, to to say that you know we're never going to be able to revive the soil mm-hmm. that has been developed upon is not a very optimistic statement. Like yeah. we're never we're, want to say never, right? Yeah. But you know, it's it's you know, like you said, soil is such a unique like concept for especially like you know in modern agricultural science because like if you look way way back to early civilizations they had it figured out like there's mm-hmm. like like some of like the earliest i think way back in mesopotamia like some mm-hmm. of the earliest like examples of language they could find talked about soil mm-hmm. like it was like one of the first writings they ever did like soil was like essential to every civilization and they knew that mm-hmm. i don't know at what point we kind of lost that information but now we're starting to figure it out again soil scientists are like oh what have we been doing killing the soil all these years? That's what's mm-hmm. killing us. Right. We need to fix the soil, and the soil will fix us. Oh, you're talking about the Dust Bowl? Well, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that was kind of example. the wake-up call Yeah, for so, a lot of farmers. Right, and so now, you know, we're in this modern age of agriculture, and I, I talk on the podcast all the time about this kind of new revolution that we're getting to witness, which is really cool. Technically, and my, my listeners know, but, you know, I argue that we're witnessing actually two separate agricultural revolutions at the same time, but they're both benefiting the same cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two revolutions being um, the regenerative re- revolution and the autom- and the um, automate- automated revolution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're seeing ag-, ag get more efficient, more technologically advanced, and have more automation going mm-hmm. involved, but our methods are getting more regenerative. We're having a better understanding of how the ecosystems work and how to mm-hmm. regenerate some of what the damage we've caused has been. <clears throat> and we're figuring out ways to 
improve our methods that improve our yields without having to have an excessive amount of chemicals on them, which mm-hmm. is, you know, so we're almost seeing like the green revolution was useful, but now we don't need it anymore. You know, right. we're finding ways to, to make stuff grow without the need of excessive fertilizers or without mm-hmm. the need of excessive pesticides, mostly through genetic modification along with our improved, you know, health of, uh, you know, consciousness about soil mm-hmm. health and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of want to transition into that idea of like these new innovations in ag are what I think might be the solution to our problem in Tulare, mm-hmm. getting rid of all this usable soil. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the conversation kind of you know has to be like, okay, well, we need to designate what areas of Tulare we want to restore mm-hmm. and start implementing some of these methods, some of these technologies, and we might be able to actually see some kind of, of you know, <clears throat> saving grace there mm-hmm. if possible. Well, it's a, that's an interesting thing is we have to find out, you know, which places are we going to take out and why, you know, why, mm-hmm. what... Why does this certain place deserve to be taken out versus this one? Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I think there would be a lot of, you know, other issues in addition to just, you know, knowing how to regenerate the soil. You know, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, someone owns that land or maybe it's someone's, you know, there's some old house that for some reason someone doesn't want to get rid of. Or, you know, there's other interesting questions that that poses. But, sure. no, I, I agree that it's definitely a, you know, an agricultural technical um, problem. And we have to figure out, you know, what do we know about soil and how do we put life back into it? You know, what do we know about how those little microbiomes affect, you know, plant mm-hmm. growth and things like that. That's we need to know and more. It's like about I that. said before, we don't have any studies on it. Right. Well, yeah, it's, it's at least ones that I don't know of. Yeah. You know, I'm not the soil science expert, of course. <laughs> right. but I, I mean, I would think, you know, I would imagine somebody must know something, right? I yeah. mean, I I can't imagine that we don't have, you know, any information at all about mm-hmm. how to add new m- minerals and, and nutrients in the soil to make it to where something can grow. I mean, like you said, yeah. Mount St. Helens, you know, it blew that whole area out completely and you know stuff grew back and mm-hmm. how you know yeah and the thing yeah. is like we didn't even do anything about that it just kind yeah, of figured it out it itself naturally. so right so i mean i i i i want to say it's definitely something we can do i just don't know how to do it and i mean so... i have some theories mm-hmm. and um yeah so one of the things i think we should we should do with the soil is start small okay you know i mean like i said there's been no studies on this but just from what i know we need to start small, start with the bacteria first. Mm-hmm. Then we go into the enzymes, worms, rodents, and work up from there. Try to get some air pockets back in that soil. And I know this is not regenerative farming, but tilling. Yeah. We got to get some form of, of um, oxygen into that soil, and that would mean turning the soil up. Yeah, right. So, but I think to your point, you know, like you said, it's not regenerative, but I think mm-hmm. that tilling is something that is kind of like a black and white term mm-hmm. in agriculture. Like yeah, people think like either you're tilling, you're destroying the, the soil mm-hmm. or you're not tilling and you're saving everyone. Like mm-hmm. a lot of regenerative methods even have what's called low till as opposed to no till. You know, they're, yeah. they're not completely eradicating tilling, but they're doing it only when it's necessary, mm-hmm. you know, only to mix things up and get new, you know, like I said, oxygen and other minerals mm-hmm. exposed that previously weren't there because mm-hmm. some degree tilling is necessary. You know, yeah. if, if you don't till, then you run the risk of it getting, you know, like that hard mm-hmm. pan developing and there's just not as much mm-hmm. freedom to the, to the oxygen flow and all that. Go ahead, Aaron. I have a question real quick. So yes. usually when like, you know, there'll be like just this dead land, right? And then over time you'll see grass grow or I've seen in cement or at my, my job where I work at, we have a uh, car wash and in that car wash, sometimes you'll see like grass or weeds sprouting out of the concrete, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, how come grass can grow on seemingly dead land or in the middle of concrete, but then we can't grow major, you know, big crops? So Colton probably has his own opinions about this, I but <laughs> my, I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts and then I'll let the actual expert on the subject <laughs> yeah, ahead, tell us, no, let us know how it works. Colton, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think it is, is there are just certain plants that are more durable, I guess you could say, than others. Like corn is notoriously a crop that can grow anywhere because it's right. just like, it's so hard to kill corn. Well, like, there's obviously corn. a difference between grass though and corn. Like, sure. Grass is a tiny, you know, thing, tiny organism. Sure. But but there are also like I mean, think about like scavenger animals. You know, they will find a way to live no matter where they mm-hmm. are. Like rats or your cockroaches. You know, your best friend cockroaches. No, I hate those. <laughs> but you know, you have certain life forms that will find any way to live. So they will, you know, they'll find a way to survive on the smallest amount of nutrition mm-hmm. possible. And I think that you know, grass and weeds kind of have a way of doing that. If they find like you know, a crack in the cement where there's just like this tiny bit of soil exposed. The soil might not be usable for crops, but it might have like an ounce of this nutrient that that grass needs, and that's enough for it to stay alive mm-hmm. for however long. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, plant professor. You you basically got it. Okay. <laughs> um, so two things. One, grass is actually a weed, but we make it look good. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Weeds technically are uh, plants that that repropriate where you don't want them to. 
Hmm. Technically. Right. So grass can repropriate in concrete. <clears throat> it, it, just like dandelions. They the wind wind goes and it just takes them wherever they want. Those those weeds that hang on to uh, the fur of dogs when they mm. lay on it, or stickers, they, they, they just go wherever they want. Mm. But almonds or anything else that isn't a weed, we could actually take that and plant it wherever we want it. That's the difference. Right. And two, grass is a monocot. Yep, I was just about to mention <laughs> that. <laughs> Monocots typically are more resilient, right? Yes. I believe they, they came before because, dicots, too. Yes, they, they were mm. one of the first uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, organisms or plant organisms mm. to live on Earth. Um, I'm behind, you know, it was grass, then ferns. Hmm. Um, but they're, yeah, so they have they have a lot of experience on the, on this land, and they're a lot less complex. Hmm. I mean, you could... You have a straight you, vascular system inside of them instead of all do. these complex different, they do. you know, cork cambium and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just grass. It's, yeah, some, Somebody's been listening. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, grass is the essence of this... There's nothing special about it. This is all I need to survive. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. There's and no... even then, it's still complicated when you really get down into it. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. a topic for another time. Yeah. So that's my that's my yeah. two cents. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope that that answers your question. No, it does. Yeah, okay. no. I mean, yeah. I think that opened me up to you know that question I asked of, well, why can this live here opposed to something else, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of gives me more of like, well, okay. I mean, it's not that the soil is completely dead, but maybe it just needs more to support bigger... Uh, yeah, crops. And, and that actually raises a really solid point that I hadn't thought about, which is, you know, weeds teach us a lot about our environment. You know, it shows us that, like you said, like that soil may not be completely hopeless. It's just this, you know, it's, it's missing something that we, we needed to have. So what if we add that missing piece into it? That is being talked about um mm-hmm. through the use of fertilizers and through the use of kind of like, like we are mentioning earlier, like, like transplanting soil, you almost mm-hmm. like transfuse certain nutrients into mm-hmm. the soil because um, I think one of the big issues with soil that kind of kind of makes it hard to revive is not necessarily that it's completely deficient deficient of all nutrients. It's that you don't have the microbiomes in there that help create new nutrients. It's mm-hmm. you know you don't have that that living organism aspect of the soil to mm-hmm. keep everything moving properly. It's like you know the nutrients are in there but they're like stuck. You know like one plant might be able to pull them out but once they're out that's it. You mm-hmm. know like where where are you gonna go next? Um, it's like we, you know, we watched Wally a couple weeks ago and we saw that just desert of a planet that was left over. Mm-hmm. There were no nutrients to pull out because all the soil was completely dead and mm-hmm. there was nothing to, to keep it going. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my theory is that that's due to the amount of stuff they built on top of the soil and they just never took care of it. But mm-hmm. that's a, you know, I did a whole episode on that already. So I'm not going <laughs> to go into that. Um, but no, I mean, I think that, you know, that, that paves the way for a conversation about like what. So, yes, there's potential left in the soil that we can see. You know, obviously mm-hmm. it can grow things of some level. You know, we see weeds in those empty lots all the time. So there's something there. What do you think we need to do or what are we already doing or working on that might be necessary to try to get that back to some level of viability? Yeah. You could, again, start small. Plant yeah. grass. Yeah. Plant. Um, oh, God. What's a nitrogen fixation plant? Like uh, Clover. Clover. Uh, barley. Yeah. See, and I'm uh, fine seeing that, you know, mm-hmm. if we get mm-hmm. rid of some of these um, these old, you know, derelict houses that aren't being used anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's just say businesses, you know, they eventually close down and they don't have something open on them for a long time. You know, hey, maybe plant something that looks a little nicer, you know, instead of mm-hmm. just having a concrete, you know, broken thing. Obviously, that's a lot harder because you have a whole, you know, building right there that could be rented out to someone. So, it's going to be a tough conversation to talk about, you know, why should we get rid of this for some grass, right. you know? Mm-hmm. But I think when the time comes to it, eventually we're going to have to. Yeah. 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 I think, especially in Tulare, if anyone were to say that in Tulare, like, should I remind you of our nickname? Right. We, we are the agriculture capital of the world. Right. Easier done here than somewhere else. It is else. Yeah. a city, and we're the agriculture capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and I think, you know... It's it's not going to be an easy task by any means, but you know nothing ever is in agriculture. That's no. kind of the name of the game. Um, I actually just did an episode with a buddy of mine uh, last week, and we talked about how agriculture kind of has this like constant need to struggle. Like for some reason, mm-hmm. those in agriculture have to constantly be in pain. Mm-hmm. It's very strange, but it's how we are. Um, not to bring not to bring this up too soon, but that's wine grapes. <laughs> yeah well, like we, literally the best grapes struggle that's yeah. why if you look up your favorite place Chateau du Pop they plant on rocks huh. yeah 
I mean, I would argue that I, I like LXV a little better, but you know, oh my God. <laughs> what now? Now was this a commercial? Yeah, yes, <laughs> no, it is. Hey, I got to talk about my favorite winery. Hey, if you guys can get me a sponsorship from a winery, then by all means, Fresno State, Fresno State Winery. <laughs> yeah, I can only kind of put Enterprise on here. So. Oh my God! Oh, renters of Enterprise are in a car. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, like you know, like we're talking about, like the the potential for bringing back some of that dead soil and again this this we talk about this with hilarious because it's near and dear to our hearts but this could be applicable mm. almost anywhere in the world yeah. yeah um i think that you know colton's right it's going to require a lot of you know small steps in the right direction instead of just a massive leap to we're going to yeah. you know fix everything at once because that's like, not possible like with the mount st Helens thing nature does take its course right but what what i would be trying to do is try to speed that up. Yeah, give it a little push. Right, give it a and I push. think it's possible. I, I think so too. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that makes it the most possible is our advancements with what we've figured out so far about soil and about biotechnology and some of the mm-hmm. newer tech, you know, uh, crop-based technologies mm-hmm. that we've discovered. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about uh, nitrogen fixers, you know, and, and mm-hmm. other crops that help kind of regenerate soil mm-hmm. as it grows. We're finding ways to implement those traits into already existing crops that would typically mm-hmm. be leachers are now regenerators. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we have... We have genetically modified crops that can now, instead of sucking all the nitrogen out of the soil, they can like, you know, maybe they take a little bit, but now they add a little bit back more in. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we have drought resistant crops that aren't going to suck all the water out of the soil at once. Mm -hmm. You know, like having, it's kind of ironic, you know, we get blamed all the time for for our crops sucking everything out of the soil. Crops are the one doing it. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just make a crop that doesn't do that anymore? Mm -hmm. You know, and we're finding Mm -hmm. ways to do that. And, you know, so like I said, between new technology and, and advanced methods, we're finding better ways to improve our relationship with with you know the environment and also mm. the the efficiency of our crops in that situation. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, mean, I think um, you know Tulare right now, and you know, well, we'll talk about mainly Tulare right now. I mean, we've had you know we're definitely getting more people here, but I think when I was born in '99, it was thirty nine thousand people. Now we have mm. like around sixty five thousand, so it's about doubled in the last twenty two years. Hmm. I mean, which is not well. I mean, that's decent amount but i mean i don't think it'll ever become something like fresno where it's yeah. just this you know in fresno's not even big compared to you know la right but right. i don't think we need to worry about it completely becoming a concrete jungle <clears throat> or anything like that no. but i'm just curious where they're going to take more of it next right i mean mm-hmm. to the east of you know um of what is it mooney and mm-hmm. uh prosperity right mm-hmm. that's all field and dairies right so mm-hmm. they're going to build out there or are they going to build north where there's the same thing or what about all the way west where there is the same thing south mm-hmm. it's the same thing so how is going to destroy you know, crops, they can destroy fields. What, what are they going to do? You know, and I don't know. I think they're going to slowly start bridging Visalia and Tulare. I mean, that's that's where I see a lot of the expansion going. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of it happening in, in the south right now, kind of like Mission Oak area. There's yeah. a ton of expansion over mm-hmm. there. Took out cotton fields. I saw it. Yep. Yep. No, that, that cotton field's gone. They built the new apartments right there. You know, they're, they're looking at the trees in that area. I hope they don't look at the trees much longer in that area. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that like, yeah, it doesn't seem that big of a deal right now because it's happening slowly. But I mean, oh, but it, I see it right. Like, and as we've learned, you know, we we've been away from Tulare, you know, long term for what a year and a half now, almost mm-hmm. two years now. And every time we go back, it seems like there's a new building mm-hmm. or there's a new part of the town that was like that used to be a field. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I took my driver's test, you know, all those years ago. I say it like it was a long time ago, but you know, was. it kind of it was four <laughs> years ago for me, yeah. but. Um, I remember when I took my, my driver's training, you know, the guy that w- that took me around, we went through Del Lago and he was like, man, I remember when these were all vineyards and yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. I wasn't alive when they were still vineyards. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, they were, but they, you know, they've changed a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Like just learning about like, you know, there, there are kids who are going to grow up thinking that that's just a normal part of Tulare when, mm-hmm. you know, right. we, we know that is definitely not how Tulare used to be. That's mm-hmm. how I was with the Tulare COS campus because I, yeah. I used to live out there at River Bendary and it used to just be fields right there. And then they, I remember when they built over it and I was like, oh, dang, they yeah. turned that into a school, which is obviously, you know, I think it's good because it's an ag school. Right. It goes back mm-hmm. to the, to the actual. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that, river. see, like something like that I'm fine with. Sure. Okay. And it's still very country out there and ag oriented, but you know, I'd be mad if they turned that into a target. Yes. I would too. I'm like really <laughs> right there I right mean, but i think maybe we should you know we can't expect entirely to you know cut out urbanization because people aren't going to stop coming but right. you know what if we look at vertical farming or mm-hmm. you know like i said earlier turning old properties that aren't being used into something else you know i know right. plenty of areas where it's just old buildings that don't do anything for years right mm-hmm. so yeah i mean someone could build something into it but 
Well, I mean, I'd rather it do something else than just sit there. So, right. No, and I like your comment about vertical farming. That was actually something that I covered. uh, By the time this episode comes out, it's going to be a while ago. It was back in December when the episode came out. But um, vertical farming is something that had a lot of potential to do a lot of good. It'll never, like, you know, fully replace, like, conventional agriculture. Obviously, it just doesn't have the sustainability for it. But it does supplement it fairly well. You know, it adds some level of, like, okay, well, if we don't have the land, at least we have this, you know. Well, you know who's doing that very well? Who's that? The Dutch. Oh, boy. (laughs) They're doing that very well. Yeah? Yeah, they got, um, they install uh, purple light. So the white light that we have. Mm -hmm. Because it takes out the green color. So they let they turn those on at night, and so you know the plant's still getting its proper nutrients, like everything, like normal sunlight. Yeah. Except without the green, because the plant doesn't absorb green. Right. And that purple light also costs less. Hmm. So they they're experimenting with like a, a lot of stuff. Wow. And it's incredible the stuff huh. that they're doing. So yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a thing fairly soon mm-hmm. yeah. or a good easy a good comment i want to mention is like um, i know i think it's just japan or china they're starting to add agriculture into buildings yes. so they're starting to put you know many little forests on the side of buildings or yep. on top of them yep. you, you have know. rooftop gardens mm-hmm. and you have which i think they should totally do yes mm-hmm. i agree i mean i think it's a little bit harder in like Tularia, for example because we don't have a ton of like multi-story buildings mm-hmm. you can just do that on but in areas where you know where where we need that, then I definitely think it could be incorporated. I could see it in Fresno. I could see it in you know, like I, I make this joke all the time. Fresno County is the top ag county in the world, third year in a row, and Fresno as a city has like the least ag of the entire county. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, it has so much potential for ag, and it just does not take advantage of it at all. Mm-hmm. Besides Fresno State, but that's about it. Oh yeah. Um, Surprised it wasn't Tulare County, actually. I am too, but I think it's just size. Oh, you know, yeah. Fresno County is a lot bigger. Fresno County yeah. is just huge, and yeah. it has so many different... Like, there's over 300 crops in Fresno County alone. Right. 300 Jeez. types of crops. Yeah. The top 10 make up, like, well over... like It's like 98% of the profit comes from the top 10, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, it, it's still, like... I, I can't remember the numbers now. I just wrote a story about this, like, two weeks ago, but... Um, no, it's like, you know, I think that as we work towards more sustainable solutions we're going to find you know some of those technologies like vertical farming and rooftop mm-hmm. gardens finding their way into some of our areas yeah. and i don't think it's a bad thing you know i think the more well, we especially can... with those those that plot of land that we talked about that can yeah. be farmed on mm-hmm. well shit put a building in there and yeah plant, turn, some, plant some stuff in it yeah turn into a vertical farming that makes operation or no something difference for me mm-hmm. yeah or we could well yeah i guess so yeah i mean or even like at the very least like so you guys remember the um uh, the summer school in Tulare, right by the Target, is in the Target parking lot. Um, oh, yeah. I can't remember what it was called now. Uh, it's like something weird. It was like Kids for Life or whatever. Well, it, it was Kids for Life, and, it, and there was another name it went by. It was uh, Crescent something. Um, Crescent View? Crescent, maybe. I don't know. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I went there once because I took a summer school class, so I, could, I didn't have to take uh, government or econ during my senior year, so I mm-hmm. like got it out of the way early. Mm-hmm. And while I was there... Um, they learned about, you know, like a lot of the ag ed stuff I was doing and they wanted to incorporate um, ag ed classes into the summer school. They wanted to teach, you know, kids who are struggling in school about agriculture to help them get motivated to work on stuff mm-hmm. um, and to show them there's like job opportunities out there for them in ag because there's a million, actually, there's a ton. There are, I think, seven million jobs or seven billion, I can't remember. I think it's, <laughs> there's a lot of jobs in ag. They're not able to be filled yeah. right now. Um, but yeah, so like, even like having like a center like that, you know, some kind of center for, you know, troubled kids or for like, you know, adults who are looking to continue their education and don't want to go to COS, like some kind of like educational resource building that has like vertical farming and kind of like promotes <clears throat> like, you know, community gardens or like just kind of community-based agriculture. I think that'd be kind of a cool idea, you know, just kind of incorporate it more that way it gets in their heads mm-hmm. and they know to incorporate it on like a larger scale later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... It's like you said, taking it step by step, planting mm-hmm. that seed, that's going to what's going to see large results. Yeah, oh, exactly. And no agriculture pun intended. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's like the memo of this whole podcast is to share agriculture. Right. We need this conversation started and going. 
and put that in, like you said, plant the seeds so then people know about it, you know? And mm-hmm. even if it's something small, I'll think about it, you know, at some point, you know, right. I still think about little things I learned about a long time ago. And, you know, so I do think it's important that people know about this because if people don't know about it, then what are we going to do? Right. You know? Not exactly. Because I don't know if people look at, you know, city growth like we do, you know, kind of worrying about agriculture. You know, I think it's great to build new things and create, you know, more stuff for the economy. But, you know, we also got to think about where we're going to get our food from. Right. You know, we're not going to run out anytime soon, but at the same no. time, you know, I don't want to underestimate how fast we can build things. You know, look at mm. LA. Yeah. That is, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's like we talked about time and time again, you know, always people are concerned about like GMOs or like some of the new tech that we're trying out. And they're saying like, if we don't have, you know, if we don't have a food shortage right now, then why are we so worried about, you know, increasing our, our yields or getting more efficient with our farming? It's like, well, we only have 25 years to figure it out before we are going to have a severe food shortage. Mm-hmm. Why don't we figure it out now? So we don't have that issue in 10 years, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the same kind of deal with this, you know, like, Urban development might not be an issue for Tulare right now. It might not even be a massive issue worldwide, but let's not let it become an issue before we find a solution for right. it. You know, let's have that stuff figured out now, and that way when we get there, we can find a way to do something about it. Well, I got an idea for you. Let's not have people in L.A. tell us what to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, wouldn't, that is, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. And that is the, the golden <laughs> topic of the day. Let's have people who know about agriculture do all the talking about agriculture. Wow, shouldn't that have been a thing... Like, for everything? You would think so. How <laughs> like, about, you know, people are, you know, somewhat knowledgeable about the stuff they're yeah. voting on or making decisions on, but, you know, that's just how yeah. how the cookie crumbles. Well, yeah. that's just how it's been set up, you yeah. know? I mean, it's a whole bunch of people to kind of look at and say, well, why is this this way, you know? But, right. you know, we that's, I guess, the beauty of our country is everybody can kind of... But that right. also can tie into this, is that they ask these questions and no one can answer it mm-hmm. for them. Right. So and that's what we're here to you do. Know, that's I'm what all, we want to do. Yeah. I'm all for people from non-agricultural backgrounds having a, a place in agriculture as mm-hmm. long as they're at least willing to learn about it or looking for the information about it. You know, just like, like with anything, you don't want people talking about something they don't know about. It, right. right? Like if people are like willingly like against, like they're like, you know what, like I'm completely against agriculture. I'm going to vote on every way to stop it. And like, you know, somebody like, you know, like my podcast or other ag podcasters out there go to them and say, hey, well, you know, how about we have a conversation about this and maybe, you know, we can both learn something from it. And they say, no, agriculture needs to die. Well, at that point, like, yeah, they, that person does not need to be making decisions in yep. that category because yeah. they're not willing to learn about it. Mm-hmm. The problem is those people still can, though. Right, you know? and that's that's the dangerous mm-hmm. part about yeah. it. But yeah, exactly. I mean, that I think that kind of pretty well sums up our artillery issue. That yeah, that was on. just yeah. the main thing I've always been, you know, interested in and, and worried about because, like I said, every time I go there, I'm like, well, you know, there's another place yeah. being, you know, being... Uh, worked on and you know that farming land's gone even mm-hmm. uh, near the the 99 where they widened that road you know that's that part of that was gone you know they mm-hmm. removed some more of that uh, farmland and uh, it's only going to keep happening you know when you have to widen you know one lane roads and to make it you know four lanes or whatever you know mm-hmm. so um but i mean i i feel you know better you know i feel more ho- hopeful that we'll be able to find out how to do something um but you know in the end i can't really do anything at the moment for you know that but yeah. um you know i'm sure we'll have plenty of ways to you know, how to make, you know, more efficient crops and regenerate soil and, you know, work it into our, our architecture. Right. Mm-hmm. Not exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that kind of wraps things up. I do have a gift for you, too. Okay. A gift? Yeah. I know we're about a month after Christmas, but I've, oh I brought you God. two gifts. Okay. Let's see what um, it is. So, you know, since, since we are moving past our Tulare conversation, and before we do, I'd like to give Colton the chance to give his closing thoughts on that conversation. Hey, which one? The Tulare conversation. Yeah, I gave mine oh. a little early. But he, oh, you yeah. did? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting a, cl- a, a closing statement. Uh, I mean, you, you can save it for the end <laughs> if you'd rather do that. Um, I mean, I can't really add anything with what Aaron said. I mean, it, okay. it's... Kind of feel you know, the same way? It, yeah. If, if I were to sum it up, I would say every house that we build on top of foreign land is, is not... I mean, more than one mouth that we need to feed more mm-hmm. and tons more mouths that we didn't feed because that used to be a plot of land. Right. You know, that house made a detrimental impact yeah. to our agriculture and that automatically makes food prices go higher. I agree. <laughs> I mean, that's off topic. But. Yeah. No, I, that, that's, a, that's a whole other topic. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess if I have any closing statements for the Tulare conversation since we're going around the table, um, 
similar to what you guys said, you know, it, to have agriculture incorporated more closely in the urban areas would be a, a big goal of, of mine as well. And like you mentioned, for every farm we get rid of, you know, like, yeah, we give, you know, maybe five more people somewhere to live, but we take away food from 500 people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's a conversation that needs to be taken more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to add on to that, though, I would just say, you know, at the end of the day, because this is an agriculturally education based podcast, I would very much like to see this conversation be held in more households with more people across more mm-hmm. demographics. Um, I mean, no solution is going to be had unless we actually take the matter seriously and, and make sure that this conversation is not exclusive to the agricultural community. Mm-hmm. You know, we get into this big old echo chamber of, you know, yelling at each other about like, well, these people are stupid. They shouldn't be voting on this. Have you tried talking to them about it? Maybe mm-hmm. like we have all these people that are making these decisions that haven't heard from us. You know, mm-hmm. why aren't we going out there and saying something to them? And that doesn't just go for agriculture. It goes for everything. Well, I was just about to say that we yeah. need to know, you know, proper political discourse, you know, right. you know, when people ask, I actually had an issue with this today, which I won't go into depth with it at work, but <laughs> you know, somebody was making a, a comment about something and I feel like maybe they didn't like my answer but i'm like well don't ask me something if you're if you can't hear no about something don't ask a question right or Mm -hmm. if you can't hear the opposing view on something then don't you know then i'm sorry but don't talk about it if you can't Mm -hmm. handle to hear what's opposite you know i think you should want to because you want and that's what i always try to look at when i when i'm angry at something or i'm arguing with something it's like okay how can i be wrong or how you know i like to look at as well as looking at how i am right how am i wrong as well and then you know if you learn something new and you you know you realize that you're wrong that's okay that's not a bad thing we need to remove that stigma of being wrong is bad and we need to make sure that people know how to properly talk about things exactly. without being mad. Because, because especially in politics, it becomes if you if you can't have that conversation of of okay, why do you think I'm wrong? Then it becomes a well, I won, right? And it's that's not about not, winning. No, it's yeah, it's, not just yeah. by yourself. Yeah. It needs to be okay. We made the best decision for the country, yep. right? We not. Oh, I won. Yeah, I, no, I, I hate that. Yeah, if you're not making progress on an issue, then you are not winning anything. No, you're you know? not. Like, yeah. in, in all, all reality, you know, winning in a debate or an argument or some kind of discussion, you know, about politics is coming to a compromise. You yeah. know, like if you two can move forward on this is the best solution, then that's winning. Not mm. okay. Well, I, I outsmarted you, so I, yeah. I win. That's just stupid. Yeah. You know. But that's a again another conversation oh, for yeah. another day. There's of course, about so many potential yeah. conversations. But uh, I want to get to the gifts I have for you guys. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um. So so the gifts that I have are in the form of conversation topics, right. uh, appealing to. <laughs> hey hey hey! I'm, I'm a podcast <laughs> I know where this is host. going. <laughs> Uh, appealing uh, appealing to each of our interests, I have picked a topic oh that each of us have the ability to talk about okay. uh, briefly. Um, Aaron, we'll start with you. Okay. Since, since you introduced yourself first on the show, I think you did. I don't remember. Uh, it was, was Colton first. It was me, but yeah, let go. Your name starts with A, so you're going <laughs> yeah. first. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, because I know Colton's going to be... <laughs> gonna I know. <laughs> but, um, so... We talked about this briefly before, but okay. since you're interested in vehicles and, and you know technology oh, yeah. and robotics and all that kind of fun stuff, yeah. I want to introduce you to the topic of agriculture technology okay. that we're seeing implemented bit by bit on the farm. Um, so, so you know about the whole self-driving electric tractor oh, yeah. thing we've talked about. What are your thoughts on the implementation of robotics, on AI, and on just like kind of self-driven and electric-powered vehicles on the farm? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Obviously, in terms of, I mean, I'm sure if they're implemented and they're done correctly, we can definitely increase efficiency and, you know, lower costs for dairies, right? Like, say you have, you know, you know, automatic milking machines or, you know, automatic feeding machines for cows, right? Instead of having someone, you know, use a blade-in tractor, you know, that just completely removes the, the variable cost of food, maintenance on the tractor, the tractor itself, tires, and the fact that the person has to go and do it. Um, so, you know, I think just in general automation and robotics and like that, it's a great thing. My only thing is it kind of, I feel like it gets kind of too far at some point because eventually if robots and machines do everything, then what is our purpose? Because, you know, they, if, because we've made them do a lot of things, right? And I don't think it's a bad thing, but at some point I'm like, well, how, you know, are, are we going to lose all of our jobs? Which I see, you know, race. obviously robots and things like that, they need maintenance as well. But what if we make robots to maintain those things? Right. You know, I mm-hmm. just... It, that scares me, and I don't like the fact that humans becoming obsolete because of a, a computer being able to do it. I think it has definitely a lot of potential on, on the farm and on the dairy. It's great, but I just don't – it worries me about it going too far, and I don't know where that's going to go. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Eventually, if we remove all of our problems, then what's the point of even going outside or doing anything, going right. to work? You know, And that's mm-hmm. – that's something that personally bothers me a lot, but you know, I think in certain areas it you know it works well. But I you know I don't know. It's not gonna. I think if it's gonna be implemented, it's going to. And there's not really much 
that I can do. So I just don't know where it's going to go. So yeah. that's my long explanation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think to, to hopefully ease your, your worries a little bit. Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, the, like, like I mentioned, there's like way more ag jobs than we have people on this planet. So I don't think that the, you know, fear of losing jobs is something we're going to run into anytime soon. Cause we're always going to have ag jobs. Um, so there's that. I think that, and plus, you know, there's always like the fear of like, well, implementation of new technology is going to take away jobs, right? You know, like when we when we created the tractor, that took away a lot of jobs. It yeah. also made a lot of jobs because mm-hmm. people had to learn how to drive it. You know, the creation of the plow took away a lot of jobs, right. um, particularly in, in the in the form of cattle. But that's beside the point. Um, but I mean, like having you know new technology. Yes, there's going to be jobs that are taken out, but there's also going to be jobs that are implemented because yep. you have to make up for the lack of you know of maintenance, like you mentioned, maintenance on those machines, and like you know. Now it's not you have to hire four tractor drivers. You hire one tractor driver, and he controls all of them from a control panel. Right. Um, so there's always, you know, and like you said, there's the potential for it to turn into something more automated and more, you know, robust and all this kind of stuff. But um, I would warn, and this is kind of my general statement for all of my ag tech-based episodes, um, I would warn the the idea that, you know, farmers never run out of things to do, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more like, it's not necessarily like, you know, well, we're gonna autom- you're right, we're gonna automate this part of the industry that way the farmer you know doesn't have to do that anymore. It's more like we're gonna automate this part of the industry that way the farmer has time to focus on these other ten right. things he's worried about today. My so. only question is, what if they automate all of those parts <laughs> that he has to worry about? You know, because you never technology moves very very fast. You know, and so I do. You know, obviously I've watched a video on it, and you know, I it, it eased my worries. I haven't you know watched it in a while, so I need to redo it. But um, you know, I know I do know a lot of people are you know they are scared just like I am. But then you know I know some people are saying well. You know, it actually adds jobs the more things that you automate and whatnot. But, you know, my only worry, like I said, is at some point, what if we do all of those jobs to where, you know, automation automate, you know, automates itself? And, yeah. you know, I just, I don't know. That's the only thing that worries me, which is stupid, True. right? But in terms of its practical use, oh, yeah, there's tons. Yeah, of course. No, and, and I think that's a valid fear. I think that going back to one of the things we said way at the beginning of this conversation, though, people in agriculture love to struggle. So yeah. I think that no matter what we do, no matter what we automate, no matter what we introduce, there's always going to be another fish to fry. You know, there's yeah. always going to be a, another challenge to overcome just because that's the nature of agriculture. You know, we're dealing with the natural environment. We can't necessarily automate everything because the, you know, the environment has a way of, of oh, saying, yeah. yeah, no, you're not going to do that. Like yep. we have this robot that's like, yeah, perfect for picking oranges. goes out to pick oranges one day and a tornado picks it up and takes it away. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, there's only, there's only so many things we can reach with it, with the environment being such a sporadic factor. Unless we completely move to a controlled environment for all, Agriculture, I don't think that's really possible with our current population rising and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, Colton, do you have any thoughts on on that particular topic? Man, I wasn't expected to get picked on. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I don't think so. Um, there's there's a lot of things. I'm, this will also ease you. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that you know only humans can do. Like. I, I, I'm pretty sure they won't make a apple picker because one thing that they, like you said, they use it in the lab and it's like, okay, this works fine. But then they put it out. This is a true story, by the way. They put it out to do the real life test and they forgot to account that apples weigh something. And the machine, what it did was it mapped out where each apple was and it stuck with that location. So each apple that it picked off eased the the weight from the branches lifting the branches up well the apples aren't right there anymore so it's trying to grab something that isn't there so there's some jobs that we still have to do yeah interesting yeah i think that's a i mean hopefully that that eases your your fears a little bit but um yeah i think i think that that Again, conversation for another day. But I, <laughs> There's that, a lot of conversation. Yeah, there, 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 there is. always is with agriculture. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. the proper way to end off this piece is, you know, like we were, you know, like I said, we always talk about how, oh, this is for another day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the more you learn about something, the more complicated it gets. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the more we advance, the more we're going to find out, you know, life typically does not, you know, it has a lot of ways of surprising you and giving you more problems that you originally didn't think you would have. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see what uh, what happens yeah mm-hmm. so that being said colton yeah do you want me to go next or you want to go next you want to end on a bang sure man okay what, it's your podcast i mean <laughs> i just i don't know how how long you're you're expecting to, to talk on your on your topic but well, depends what is it <laughs> <laughs> just don't talk about carbonic maceration well oh uh-oh
Well, 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 this ought to be interesting. So I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's up to you, Colton. You you know what your topic is. Okay, so I'll actually, Aaron, you would be surprised. There's not a lot to talk about. Okay, <laughs> but so carbonic maceration. I think you have to preface this with why this is your topic. Yeah, it's I, that was actually I was going to start off. Okay. You didn't even have to tell me. Okay, good. This is my favorite words of wine it is so carbonic maceration that is just such a funny thing to say yeah i just love saying it but anyway it is a very uh specific style of winemaking or vinification that is used it can be used anywhere but most famously used in Beaujolais, france um so typically how everyone else uh um I guess, makes grape juice into wine, they uh, press the grapes to get all the juices out or other things, but I'm not going to get into it. They, they press the grapes to get the juice and then they put yeast in it and or naturally, the, the yeast, yeast naturally gets put into it, which a lot of European countries do. Um, and then that creates from the, the sugars from the grape into alcohol mm. and also heat and CO2 and other stuff. Um, and then that creates the wine. But in Beaujolais, with carbonic maceration, they don't press the grapes at all. They put the, the grapes' whole cluster into a tank or a vat, and they seal it up, and they fill up that tank with uh, CO2. Mm. And CO2 causes the natural enzymes inside the grape to create the alcohol. Mm. So instead of you know creating the alcohol with the juice it's creating it within the grape itself so of course with heat and the creating of gases this causes the grapes the, to burst and the juice falls to the bottom and i forgot specifically how many days it takes but it takes a few days um then they open up that tank let all the juice out put it into another tank and then they press the uh the grapes to get the juices out in mm. case the, those grapes didn't burst interesting but it creates such a a unique taste you could be able to spot it out it's like a sweet bubblegum flavor that only comes from Beaujolais, france hmm. it's very interesting it is interesting yeah so i've been hearing colton spout this word off for like a month now well, it's a fun word man. it is a fun word <laughs> but <laughs> we've definitely had a lot of fun with it <laughs> it sounds so complex <laughs> but it sounds like it's a somewhat complex you know subject you know mm -hmm. with anything with wine with wine making it's going to be a very complex subject Absolutely but is. um yeah so i want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about you know yeah. your, your passion um i love talking about wine Yes, I can tell. <laughs> but um, we enjoy hearing you talk about yes. it. Oh, we know a lot yes. about it. Thanks, we, we we might do a full episode at some point on the entire winemaking process, but that's that. that's a that's again a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the catchphrase of this episode. But Serious. um yeah, so very 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 good. Thanks for that yeah, that uh, that uh, discussion about carbonic maceration. Absolutely. Um <laughs> I think to close us off, I'll talk about my topic xenotransplantation another fun go. word yeah. uh that pertains to animal science so we we, we got our we got our there subjects yeah um so as the name suggests xenotransplantation xeno meaning alien transplant obviously mm -hmm. meaning to put into a different place um it's the you know the the transplantation of an organ from a non-human species into a human mm. and you guys might have seen this on the news i'm not sure but about a week ago the first ever successful transplant of a pig heart into a human was performed. I wow. Did it work? Yeah. It worked. Wow. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. He's still kicking. He hasn't had any issues. And the thing is, they genetically modified that pig's heart to be able to, to be compatible with a human, which mm. is the first time that's ever happened. So genetically modified livestock is something that's not technically legal. Not, mm -hmm. not It's not illegal. It mm. just hasn't been done in a long time. Mm -hmm. um, we had a genetically modified salmon, like 20, actually longer than that now. It's like been like 30 years. Um, we had a genetically modified salmon and it hit the markets. And ever since then, people have been like, no, let's not GMO animals. Let's just leave it at crops and we'll call it a good. Mm -hmm. um, so we finally started doing it again. And they figured out how to genetically modify a pig's heart so that way it's, it's not going to be rejected by a human body. Mm -hmm. And that is what happened with this guy. So I don't, I don't remember the full story. Basically, it happened in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, this guy, something about got into a bar fight and was having some kind of 
issues with his heart. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what the story was, but yeah, they they perform the surgery on him, give him a pig heart. Uh, he's you know they, there's been tons of news stories on him because you know this is the first time we've actually been able to do this successfully and. To this day, he's feeling fine. I mean, he hasn't had, you know, he's had like medication, obviously, to help his body regulate to the new heart, but like that's like with every transplant, right? But it's, you know, it's been very, you know, very normal for a transplant. It hasn't had any weird issues. Obviously, he hasn't started oinking or anything. So, (laughs) Um, but I'm I'm curious about what your guys' thoughts are on xenotransplantation. Well, I think it's awesome because you know if we can have you know, an easy way of, you know, quote unquote, harvesting organs that could be used by humans. And it, you know, if that, obviously, you know, I'm sure that pig was alive and well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can have an animal be fine. And then, you know, in that event that, you know, we can have a stockpile of, you know, parts that we could use for us if we need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, um, I'm very surprised that his body didn't reject it because, you know, I know someone in my family got a liver transplant and he has to take anti-rejection medications even though that piece of his, you know, that liver was a human, right? Mm-hmm. And it reju- grew into something, you know, a new one. So I'm curious as to how that, you know, works. I'm really amazed that they got that working. But I'm hoping we can see more of that in the future. I really want to have, like, limbs, be able to, like, grow back limbs or, there like, uh, especially yeah. eyesight. I would, like, die if I lost my eyesight. Um, you know, things like that. You know, mm. I, I'm really hoping that we can make advancements in that. Or, you know, somehow make it to where, you know, we can regenerate the brain from Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or things like that. Mm-hmm. So definitely I'm very excited to see that. Well, yeah. little promotion on the new Spider-Man movie. He hasn't watched the Amazing Spider-Man. I have not. Because right. that was brought up. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's Dr. So, Connors. Right. His whole, yeah. his whole, his whole uh, lizard spiel. Yeah. I thought everyone should be yeah. lizards. Um, so his thing was like, okay, I'm going to genetically modify, like, whatever the serum mm-hmm. to be to be part of a lizard because when you cut off a lizard's tail it regrows mm-hmm. so he wanted that genetics to be in him so that if something gets cut off it could regrow and, yeah. and this man only had one arm mm-hmm. but that ended up making him a whole lizard and right yeah obviously some issues happen with <laughs> yeah genomics, some issues but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah so we haven't perfectly mastered genetic modification but we're getting there <laughs> even in no, movies we can't do it right. <laughs> yeah. i'm sure we'll get there soon yeah eventually know, yeah. but i just i know i know some blind people i think have been able to get some of their eyesight back and deaf people have yeah. Been get, yeah so i'm mm. we're getting there um i just i hope that you know one day you know you worry about you know your arm, you know, somehow gets removed, you know, you don't have to necessarily worry, you know, you can eventually, you know, have it reattached or, you know, somehow grow another one or, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, I'm hoping we see some more of that soon. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just got distracted. I, so I was looking up an article that I read a couple of years ago about a CRISPR cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were trying to genetically modify beef cattle so that way they could produce more females that exhibit masculine traits. So that way you're mm-hmm. still getting B quality, but you still get moms. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I was just in the original article. They, I was, I was looking for the the name of the scientist who was leading the the pack, but she was quoted in saying, "Our current understanding of gene mapping is like having in like 18th or like a 16th century map of the world in today's society. It's like you know we have we have such a little you know like we have such a, a weak idea of how genes work and how to properly utilize them. Like we think we know a lot. We don't know anything about genes. Like we're we're still learning so much." Because one of the things that they were running into was they were trying to basically modify, you know, the 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 sex cells of this animal, and when they were turning off when they were turning on the masculine traits in the female genome, it was turning off something else, mm. and so the the um, the two uh, sex gene or the two. Uh, sex cells wouldn't fertilize. Right. So they kept, you know, they would, they would conceive and then nothing would ever grow. Mm-hmm. So, and they couldn't figure out why. So then they eventually figured out, okay, well, we must be turning something else off whenever we turn this on. And at that point, they hadn't, they hadn't figured it out. I just, I was just looking it up. Apparently they figured it out. Hmm. So they, they know how to, how to genetically modify cows now, which is huge. And it turns out, apparently they created a tuberculosis resistant cow. Well, there you go. So here's an interesting conversation. What if they were to modify like tuberculosis resistant cows, but if they were able to get certain disease resistance in like pigs, for example, and then we xenotransplant some of those some of those organs into our bodies and now mm-hmm. we're resistant to those diseases. We need to find yeah. one for COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you know it is possible. Oh absolutely. Because th- there's some families where like mine, where skin cancer runs in our family. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be something. That keeps getting that, carried to you That guys. keeps getting carried. Right. A gene somewhere in there yeah. that so, keeps getting carried. So uh, to be able to turn that off, to, yeah. to be able to turn off any cancer gene in mm-hmm. there that gets carried on, it would be amazing. Yeah. So as, as we kind of figure out more and more about 
about genes and how gene mapping works. And as we figure more and more about like genetic modification and crossbreeding and all that kind of fun stuff, there's a very real possibility that we will reach a, a point in the future where we're able to, for one, transplant organs from, you know, xenotypically transplant organs from different species that can be compatible with our bodies, but also we might be able to create some kind of resistance to most of the diseases and, and like you mentioned, cancers that we deal with, you know, all the time and haven't figured out a solution to. Mm-hmm. So that can be really cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. So, well, it's a little bit on the animal science side. It's more of like a medical news update, okay. but I thought that'd be kind of a cool topic to yeah, bring absolutely. up. Um, but yeah, so that kind of wraps up all the topics I had in mind. If you guys have anything else you'd like to add or any closing comments, feel free. No, I think we talk, touched up on basically everything I wanted to talk about. I think it learned a lot from this uh, this talking session, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, definitely. It was cool. a pleasure to be on your show, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, to start off, in the 1730s, <laughs> uh, there, were, there was a uh, a wine disease called phylophora that took out 90% of the wine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's true, though, but... It's a topic for another day. <laughs> Did you hear something? I, I didn't hear nothing. Oh, I didn't hear anything either. We're just going to close out the... <laughs> but closing comments, Colton? Got none. All right. Well, thank you, boys, for joining the episode. It was a lot of fun to have you on. I know we've been talking about doing this episode for... How long have we been roommates? Yeah, honestly, we've talked about it a long time. Yeah, we've talked we about it a long time. And yeah. I remember I went from, you know, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be on a podca- on his podcast to now, and you know, it's been a lot of fun. I think I'd like yeah. to do again sometime. Mm-hmm. So, Very again, good. thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And yeah, like we talked about, there are a million and one topics to talk about in ag. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. we, we can just make a list of all the things we said. That's a topic for another day. And we can mm-hmm. make, like, episodes just off of that. So, yeah. there is... A lot to cover, um, but again, thank you guys for joining me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in, and for all the, uh, hopefully you guys stuck around for all the strange conversation topics we reached at this point, <laughs> but if you didn't, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> uh, be brutally honest. I, I, I think they got to carbonic maceration to like, Oh my god. <laughs> Man, zero, zero views. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can like see like how far into the episode they got, and like yeah. that's the point where yeah, everyone cuts out. I'm done. <laughs> Like, they just hear carbonic maceration. They're like, nope. Yeah, but, funny no, so word, huh? 12,000 no. viewers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that wraps it up for my end. Thank you guys again so much for joining me. Mm-hmm. Thanks to all the listeners so much for tuning in. I'll catch all of you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. <laughs>